So I have a video back there that I'm going to ask Jason to play in just a moment. Uh, it's probably a little long. I couldn't really find a good place to cut it. It's like a little over three minutes. It's one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright. Maybe some of you have, have heard of him or, or read some stuff that he has written. Um, he says a lot in the video about our calling to look at Jesus. But one of the things that he says is what I really hope that we can do when we read our story for this morning. And that is to simply be willing and be stubborn enough to not stop looking at it and reading it until we can see our story in that story. So I'm going to ask y'all to watch this video. Jason, you can go ahead and play it. my own father I haven't actually thought very much about what it'd be like when my children lose me bless them um, I think I want to tell them just read the gospels more many Christians in our day treat the gospels as a friend of mine said as the optional chips and dips at the beginning of the meal which you can sort of take it or leave it there's some nice stuff to crunch there but then you go and sit and sit at the table and you have the red meat of Pauline theology and that's where we're all as it were, headed um, and I want to say look I love Paul Paul is fantastic he's been the stuff of my life but the dynamism of the Gospels and the person who walks out of those pages to meet us is just central and irreplaceable and he's always a surprise we, we never have Jesus in our pockets um, he's always coming at us from a new angle I would like to say to them um, try reading the Gospels in different ways read them at a run but then try taking the individual stories and doing what some traditions have done ponder that story and imagine yourself a character in the story and wait and watch in the story while Jesus heals this man or talks to this old lady or whatever and then wait and watch and pray until Jesus turns around and says to you now actually can we have a chat about this where are you with this and that that's a way that many Christians have meditated on the scriptures and with the Gospels particularly it's a wonderful way in and I would recommend that to anyone I think the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus is perhaps the one which does this most for most people because there you have a sense which so many people know of people walking along without any idea what's happened feeling sorrowful feeling sad puzzled Jesus himself will come near and be with them and open the scriptures to them and then they recognize him in the breaking of the bread so I, I hope my children would know that I would say this anyway and uh, but to say Jesus is absolutely in the middle if you want to know who God is look at Jesus if you want to know what it means to be human look at Jesus if you want to know what love is look at Jesus if you want to know what grief is look at Jesus and go on looking until you're not just a spectator but you're actually part of the drama which has him as its central character 
I'm realizing now that maybe it's not a smart move to set myself up to follow N.T. Wright, because like that's a whole sermon right there. But I felt like I could get away with that because the story that he references directly, that that walk to Emmaus that the disciples take just after the resurrection is our story for today. And I, and I really believe that the reason this story has such a following and there's been so many spiritual retreats formed around the narrative of, of this story is because it more than most begs us to see ourselves on that road to Emmaus. We find it in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24, and it's a longer scripture reading, but I want us to read the whole story so that we can really see where these disciples start and where they end up at the end of their encounter with the risen Christ. So we're going to read verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? Jesus, he asked them, What things? They replied, The things of Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb earlier this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of us who were, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself all in the scriptures as they came near the village to which they were going he walked ahead as if he were going on but they urged him strongly saying stay with us because it is almost evening and the day now is nearly over so he went in to stay with them when he was at the table with them he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them then their eyes were opened And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon Then they told what had happened on the road and how it had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together this morning, thanks be to God. 
Our story picks up with two disciples just trying to get out of Dodge, right? Trying to wrap their minds around how the... how the trajectory of their lives seem to have changed so much over the last three days. They went from giving up everything to follow this teacher and prophet, this Messiah named Jesus from Nazareth, to suddenly learning that it all seemed to be over. After all of that, he just died a criminal's death. And so here they are on this road back to Emmaus, which seems to be kind of a home base for them, walking back to their fishing nets or walking back to their tax offices or all of their missed appointments over the last three years when they dropped everything and began to follow this this prophet. On this road back to Emmaus, walking back to whatever daily rhythms that they left behind when they decided to follow Jesus. When suddenly, unbeknownst to them, right, the risen Christ begins to walk alongside them, asking them a simple question. What are y'all talking about while you make this walk to Emmaus? And, And there's this line in that moment when Jesus first comes and walks alongside these disciples that have given folks a lot of trouble over the years. And just about every commentary that I read this week tried to make sense and explain what is happening here in this moment. The risen Christ is before them, and for some reason the narrator tells us that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. What does that mean? Is it that Jesus didn't want to be recognized yet? Or maybe God didn't want them to recognize Jesus quite yet? Or maybe Jesus in his post-resurrection appearance looked so different than he did before that he was actually unrecognizable to someone. I mean, after all, this isn't the only place where Christ appears post-resurrection to his followers, people who should recognize him, and they, and they don't. Remember the text that we read on Easter, Mary in the Gospel of John, she thinks that Jesus is a gardener instead of recognizing that he is her Messiah. I think these questions are tough ones, and I don't want us to ignore it, right? Because I think they force us to recognize that the only reason that we know anything about God, the only reason that we have any knowledge about who God is and what God has done for us is because of what and how God has revealed to himself to us. It forces us to see that God is in control of what we know about God. And I think you know this, right? Because it's through the life and the ministry of Jesus and through the reading and the study of the scriptures, it's through our own experience that we know of God and of his love for us. Because that is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. So is it possible here... That on this road to Emmaus, for some reason, Jesus is not choosing to reveal himself to these disciples. I think, yes, it's possible, right? I think that is a possible explanation of what is happening in this moment. But I really don't think that's where we should let this scripture hang us up. Instead, I think we should be willing to notice that whether or not God is somehow the source of this blindness, that in this moment, with their backs turned to Jerusalem, walking away from the empty tomb, 
These disciples have completely given up hope. And they are no longer looking for Jesus. I personally love that the source of their blindness is not nailed down for us here in this moment. Because again, I think it forces us, if we're willing to go there with the story, it forces us to insert ourselves into the story and to insert our own reasons for spiritual blindness into this this moment. Because I, I think the truth is, we know this walk that these disciples are on in this moment. Because these two people, they're, they're hurt. And they feel like they have been completely blindsided, having expected Jesus to be victorious and instead watching him be defeated. They are heartbroken. They're confused. They're sad. They probably feel a little bit betrayed and, and, and angry. And I think we know how that feels, right? I feel like I know how that, how that feels. When we feel like we're blindsided in life by, by grief or by brokenness, by frustration or by anger or by anxiety or by questions that we can't seem to find the answers for, by life just not going the way that we, that we want it to. When we face those seasons of life, when we don't understand how God could possibly be present in this, that it is the exact opposite of where we expected God to lead us in life, and we find ourselves in what we perceive to be a broken and a hopeless situation. Maybe you see what I mean now. I mean, I think this story, more than most, begs us to see ourselves on that road. Walking in the footsteps of those heartbroken followers of Jesus as they look straight through the risen Christ. As if he isn't there at all. I mean, instead of realizing who that is, they begin to speak down to Jesus. At least that's how I read it in this moment. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has happened over the last couple of days? I mean, it's what everybody is talking about back in town. The irony could not be any more rich in this moment, could it? They go on to tell Jesus the story of the resurrection, his story, that they've heard the rumors, the story of women finding the tomb empty, of some saying that angels were there, saying that this Messiah is alive, but but that the other followers of Jesus, they went to the tomb and they didn't see him. And it seems like their actions speak way louder than their words here, don't they? Clearly they don't buy it as they walk away from the holy city. I I think the truth for these two disciples here in this moment is that they haven't left room in their lives for the resurrection hope of Jesus to begin to take root and grow. I think that's what I was drawn to most this week when I reflected on this story, this moment that these two disciples share with the resurrected Christ. I mean, it kind of makes you want to bang your head up against a wall, doesn't it? Christ walks up to them, and they don't recognize him. Because they haven't left any room for the risen Christ to occupy in their lives. Christ even opens up the scriptures to them. That road to Emmaus was a seven-mile walk, so he had plenty of time to get all the way into the weeds. 
walking through the Old Testament, the story of creation and the Exodus and all of the prophets, the story of King David and the other kings, opening up the scriptures to them in a way that pointed to a Messiah that had to go through death and defeat it to truly do the work that God had sent him to do. And they still don't see it. They still, they still miss it. In a lot of ways, if we, if we allow ourselves to see our own self in this story, this can be a terrifying read because we realize all of a sudden that we may not be a whole lot different. That at our worst and at our lowest, that, that we could probably do the same thing. That we probably have done the same thing had an encounter with the risen Christ, and instead of being present in the moment and opening up our lives to what Jesus wants to do with us, instead we just look straight through him. The question that I found myself asking this week was what do we need to do so that we won't miss it? What do we need to do so that even when we find ourselves in the midst of a really tough season, a season that that we didn't see coming, a season that has us frustrated and feeling without hope, one that it's hard for us to imagine God, God working in the midst of, when we find ourselves there, how can we not miss it when the risen Christ shows up? And I think the answer to that question is in the story. They get close to Emmaus, that village where they're headed, and Jesus begins to walk Past as, as they begin to take the turn off the road following the sign toward downtown Emmaus. And suddenly these disciples realize they're not quite ready to, to break ties with this stranger. And so they urge him. It seems like they, they kind of beg him a little bit for him to not keep walking and instead come and stay with them for the night because it was beginning to get, to get dark outside. And so he does. And it's later that evening when they're sitting at the table that Jesus takes bread and blesses it and breaks it and gives it to them. And that is when their eyes are opened. And the narrator even tells us to make sure that we don't miss it, that their eyes were once closed. And after the breaking of their bread, for some reason, their eyes are opened. And as soon as they recognize him, he vanishes. And they realize it's a classic. Hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? Were our hearts not on fire when he was opening up the scriptures to us? Suddenly they can see it all, so much so that despite it being dark outside, they rush back to Jerusalem that very hour because they realize that they have to get back. And notice that just like at the beginning of the story, the scripture does not tell us why it is that their eyes are suddenly opened. It is a moment filled with ambiguity, just like when the narrator tells us that their eyes were closed on the road. The question for us is, what changed? What changed? They missed it when Jesus opened up the scriptures to them, but then they recognized him in the breaking and receiving of the bread. What was different the second time around? What I was struck by this week is that it wasn't until they invited Jesus into their midst, it wasn't until they made room for the risen Christ in their lives that they were able to recognize who Jesus really was. 
I mean, think about it. Christ was there all along, giving them everything that they needed and more to see and to own and to say yes to that resurrection hope that he is bringing with him. Before, when their backs are to Jerusalem and he's opening up the scriptures, that is more than enough for them to begin to wrap their minds around that this person walking beside them might just be the risen Christ. And after, through Jesus' actions around the table, the only thing that changed was their own willingness to open up their lives to this stranger who turned out to be their Messiah. The hope that I found this week in this story is that no matter where we find ourselves on this road, we can trust that the risen Christ is walking with us, giving us everything that we could possibly need to see him, to see him, to see him risen, to realize the redemption and the new life that he offers us each and every day. The only thing that we have to do is make room for him in our lives. The only thing that we have to do is invite him in. What I realized this week, it seems to be in this moment, that the invitation is really not for Christ. It's for them. Or rather, it's, it's for us. That Christ is there regardless He's there on the road with them, regardless of their invitation of welcome for him to come and join them and walk with them. But when they and when we open ourselves up to Jesus, when we invite him into our lives, when we realize just how much we need what he offers to us, when we realize just how much we we want him to take root in our hearts and in our lives, when we are willing to just simply just, just make room for him in our hearts, that is when the scales will fall. And then we too will see that it wasn't a stranger walking beside us after all. It was and is our risen king. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.